You are listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Out ahead of that little man. I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of, of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we have a busy one, so we're not going to take a whole lot of time getting into this aftermath tape stats. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, all of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's I wanted to breeze through that open because we have a lot of notes to get to because it was a fun tape to watch, and we pick it up here with the offense. And the Browns' defense really played a lot of cover six in this game, and that's where you get your two high safeties, you roll them to a third each, and then a third player, a cornerback, will take the other third of your deep portion of the field. Then you have three players, typically two linebackers and a nickel defensive back in the hook zones, the intermediate part of the field with the other perimeter cornerback playing a curl flat responsibility. It's off coverage. It's designed to keep things in front. It's also a possibility to give you options to come down and buzz some of those middle of the field passes we've had all season long. And this is a big reason why the box score was the way it was and what I think should really terrify opposing defensive coordinators because the Browns essentially eliminated the opportunity for anything deep, for the home run ball for sure. So Tua just went to work on the vulnerabilities, throwing behind those hook linebackers, finding the flat zones, getting into favorable run looks, and just spreading the football around to the favorable matchups. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into this game from Tua because eh, we're three weeks running now. Best tape I've ever seen him play, three times in a row, which is awesome to say that. The first throw that pops is the Sherfield grab on the first drive for 18 yards. Really good rhythm relationship with him and Sherfield on this deep pivot route. It looks like an over route where he's going to cross the formation, but he sticks the foot in the ground and bends it back out the other direction away from that middle linebacker dropping into that hook zone. And Tua slides up into the pocket and fires it just as Sherfield puts that foot in the ground. And of course, the football with the ball placement is just out of reach of the underneath man and arrives in the tight window before the over-the-top linebacker can get there. Great timing, better location. Get used to hearing that on this podcast. On the touchdown to Alec Ingold, the best part about the pump fake is that there wasn't even an option on the pump to throw the football. He does that solely to remove the defender from the equation because you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are both blanketed on a wheel curl combination and both don't really expect the ball to come their way. And what a pump fake it was. Like we talked about like one of the things we talk about with quarterbacks all the time is hand size. Tua had one of the bigger hand sizes at the combine that year. And the ability to kind of do a full pump fake like that and maintain possession of the football, that's where hand size comes into play for a quarterback. On a day full of terrific throws, I think his best one maybe, possibly could have been an incompletion. It's the first throw of the second quarter. He's got Waddle working off the glance route off of RPO, which is a staple of RPO. It's, it's basically a slant, but it's like 
now, get it to him with a skinny little slant route. And the thing about Tyreek and Jalen is they can extend those. They're like eight-yard routes typically. <laughs> this one went 15 because of Jalen's speed. And the Browns do get through on this play with a blitz. And this is why I think it was such an impressive throw from Tua. It's the fifth rusher. He gets in clean. You do get a great effort from Raheem Mostert to step over in front of Tua and cut him off and buy Tua the extra half second he needs. But Tua, with that pressure right in his face, just falls back a little bit, get some more depth, give yourself a bigger window to get the football off and time to throw the football from that awkward platform it's a 15-yard glance route an absolute dot without setting his feet right on the up upfield shoulder into very tight coverage and Waddle gets his hands on it but the defender if you look at it closely he's got his hand on Jalen's right bicep and he's not tugging at it for a DPI so I'm asking for here but he tugs at it right when the ball arrives and I think that separates Jalen's hands enough to force the incompletion so great tight window throw good route just a good play from the defensive back then we come back on the next play and it's probably even better and this is a good example of Tua getting through his read so quickly that Mike McDaniel mentioned post game He's got Tyreek and Gesicki in a stack to the boundary. What does that mean? It means Gesicki's the point man. Tyreek is behind him for a clean release into the short side of the field. Then you have Trent Sherfield and Jalen Waddell to the wide side of the field, the field side of the formation, and they're in condensed splits. That means inside the numbers, so everything is packed in tight. It's that cover six look again, and they're pressing on Mike and Reek, and you see Tua work that side. That's where his head goes first. He keys the safety up over the top, who's in that deep third, right? But actually, this time, they rotate to too high. It's not a cover six look. It rotates back into a cover two look, and Tua, from that look, can ascertain that the middle of the field was open, which creates what? Openings for skinnies and slants and things in the middle of the football field. He gets back to the field side of the formation immediately. And the ball is out with Jalen Waddle at 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. He's just gotten on top of the slot cornerback, but he has not yet crossed face. So the, the defender still has that inside position on Waddle, but Tua is to his third read before the receiver, one of the fastest players in the NFL is 10 yards downfield. That is a an actual application of how quickly Tua's reading the defense right now and the anticipation that he will, and of course he does, get on the inside part of that defensive back. And the ball settles Waddle right in before the safety who widened out because of Tua's initial look to that side of the formation before he can get back over the top and won't put Waddle in any risk of getting a big hit and a potential chance to catch it and run. And boy, he was a centimeter away from stepping out of that tackle and putting a 65-yard touchdown up on the board. 30-yard play, we'll take it. I found a miss. I found one miss on this tape. We're, we're at the point where we're measuring one or two faults from two per game now. It's He's playing that clean of football. On the field goal drive, early second quarter, Tyreek comes open on a dig, and Tua didn't see him. I, I just legit don't think that's happened this year. Just missed open Tyreek. He threw it to someone else, got a completion, got positive yardage, but Tyreek was open for a bigger play. But that's absolutely nitpicking because this quarterback has been so sharp. We heard, you know, Mike McDaniel. We heard Frank Smith, Wes Welker, Coach Daryl Bevel all talk about how well Tua is seeing the field. I think that deep comeback to Tyreek is a great example of that. The Browns, like we mentioned, playing a lot of that cover six, which can easily convert into cover three where you have, you know, three deep coverage guys, and then you have 
it's, it's a two corners and a safety, and then you bring another safety down to buzz pro- potential crossing routes to potentially play the hook zone. So it's, it's kind of similar, but it changes based upon who's where, and you don't have that cornerback hanging out underneath. So in this cover three look, that means that Tyreek is now all of a sudden with a pressure look one-on-one with no safety help to his side of the formation, which of course means the cornerback better get into a full sprint towards the goal line because you have to. You have to with Tyreek Hill's speed. Tua has the football out before Tyreek goes after the blind spot of the cornerback by slamming on the brakes and breaking the route outward. And the reason this is also effective is not just because of Tyreek's speed, big part of that, but because Tua has shown his application of understanding the leverage of that off corner. If he's going to squat, Tua will just throw it deep, and Tyreek will take off and he'll take the vertical shot. Or if he gets depth, Tua throws back underneath, and Tyreek knows when to break that route off. The relationship and the chemistry and the synchronicity of those two guys is really the best in the league right now, in my opinion. And with two brown jerseys in Tua's face, not to mention two like unblocked guys right at his face, like there's no white jersey in front of Tua. It's brown jerseys two of them right in front of him the feet are not set the ball is out before the break and it's right where it needs to be right when it needs to be there that is such an elite throw have mercy uh the drive before the end of the half he did that thing again where he pulls the cloud corner to the flat by looking that direction and then throws right behind him you get Tyreek on a square in at two yards to a hitches up kind of separates the hands quickly that forces that cloud corner to bite immediately resets and pops the corner out over the top a dime to Mike Gesicki for 15 yards the location on the waddle third down conversion on the out route and the touchdown pass to Trent Sherfield are just you can't place the football any better than those two throws we broke it down on the Sunday night Monday uh, victory edition of the drive time podcast but just marvel at it on tape because those throws were absolutely perfect to waddle putting it up high Because for a cornerback, like, there's a chance to undercut that and drive and take it back for six the other way. But to do that and elevate, it's not really possible. And so the placement on a far hash out route is so good to put that ball up high so Waddle can elevate and go get it. Then the Sherfield throw. Look, the ball was out when Trent was at the eight-yard line, and the cornerback is at the five. So three yards before he's even, he's leaving. And the ball probably would have scraped the top of the back part of the pylon if no one touched the football. It's insane keyhole accuracy from this quarterback. Maybe my favorite part of the game for Tua was how he adjusted coming out of the break because the first two throws he makes in the second half, a little floater to Jeff Wilson for 14 yards and a catch and run and a check down to Alec Ingold where he spins out of a tackle for a first down as well. What you'll see is the Browns are dropping into more of a quarters look, a four deep look, and with deeper hook coverage, those linebackers are pushing back because again, that's where Miami has lived all year long. You get seven in coverage, and then the four other four guys rush. And where does that leave you open? In the flats. So Tua just starts attacking the flats. He's got answers to the test right now to every question, and that's how you're getting what Coach called it, really high-level quarterback play. They're going to adjust. All right, we'll go after that vulnerability. You know, Mike McDaniel talked about this last week after the uh, Bears game about how his game planning starts with an abstract thought and then to go out and approach and attack defense's vulnerabilities opposed to just, you know, taking plays out of your own playbook. He wants to attack the particular vulnerabilities. Tua's doing the same thing. Like, think about that for a second. (laughs) That's a good place to be if you're a fan of the Miami Dolphins. Just a few plays later, you get another intangible trait to show up. He's got a clean pocket. He wants Mike Gesicki on the crossing route. 
pumps the first window. That allows Mike to then clear out of the second window and just drills that thing between the two eights on Mike Gasicki's jersey. Durham Smythe had a great pickup on split flow action on that play too, by the way. Wanted to shout that out. The third and 10 on the next drive, the Browns get one of their pressures. There wasn't many. With Miles Garrett getting upfield, but Tua steps around it. And a great job by Tehran, who did give up this pressure on this play, to ride that block all the way past the quarterback and stay engaged because it helped Tua get that reset and shoulder roll right into perfect alignment and mechanics. Like, to get off your spot, your mechanics get broken. You have to reset them. Did it perfectly. Shoots it between four Browns defenders to an open Jalen Waddle to convert on third and 10 once again. Move the chains. A little bit of everything on this tape, man. The touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. More exceptional work and just another thing that he does. The Browns get a free runner in the B-gap. That usually spells disaster for most quarterbacks. Best case scenario most of the time in that situation is throw the football away. Watch other games around the league right now and how many quarterbacks have to eat plays. Two is not eating plays almost ever. There's a couple here and there, but it's just not happening. He continues his drop back and throws from that shortstop reset arm angle with his feet not set at all and puts it right out in front of Tyreek, who helps make this play because he stacked his man. He puts the defensive back on his back, keeps him there, and makes a tough catch. Have a day at one. Have an absolute day. I keep thinking we're on the last play here, but then we get another great throw. The big play to Trent Sherfield late. That conflict hook defender we talk about every single week in the podcast where he kind of has to keep, is Tua going to throw the wheel? Is he going to throw the flat? Is he going to throw the glance? Tua on this play strides to the flat. The linebacker flushes out and chases that, and then Tua just pops it right over the middle with a big lane, big opener, a uh, big opening, I should say, to Trent Sherfield, who makes the catch, lowers his shoulder, stays on his feet, and turns a 13-yard gain into like 28 yards. So just really high-level stuff from all these guys. And then another one, the location on that third and one throw to Waddle to extend that late touchdown drive. The location was absolutely perfect. Jalen just basically puts his hands out and cradles it into his chest against that inside leverage of the cornerback. What a banner day for QB1, man. He is... He is so, so exceptionally good. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. The running backs, Raheem Mostert, his second run was that toss against the motion, and man, he looked like he was in trouble behind the line, but he winds up gaining yards. His patience, vision, and ability to create advantageous blocking angles should never go unnoticed. He helps get maximum yards on these runs, such a smooth and natural runner, and his speed will obviously help take advantage when you have great blocking. They talked about it all last year, how there were some lanes we didn't take advantage of. And on this particular 24-yard touchdown run, it's well blocked. And what a job by him to press blocks and really create these perfect angles for his, his run blockers. But man, on that play, look at Connor Williams and Rob Hunt, if you go back and watch it. It's such an outstanding combo block, just walling off the entire backside of the play while Rob Jones and Teron Armstead hit a play side seal and down block, and it's a finish, uh, a terrific finish by Trent Sherfield with his block downfield. But Mostert's speed sets it up, Miami hat on a hat, and that was the case all day long. I marvel at Jeff Wilson's ability to drop his pads and make the decision to either run through the tackle or sidestep it because it all looks the same. I'm not going to make my Felix Hernandez fastball changeup comparison again, but it reminds me of that. It pairs so well with this offense's false keys that they they create because you get this indecision from a processing standpoint at that second level. And if you hit your blocks in the first level, the scheme kind of takes care of that second level for you. And then on top of that, Jeff Wilson's quickness and power combination allows him to either maximize that indecision by cutting wide or just run right through somebody who's on their heels 
because of the situation he's put them in. Watch how many of these gash runs in a game where Jeff Wilson gets to the hole in a one-on-one situation. Linebacker kind of comes to balance, but he's not playing forward because he's processing was it a jet sweep? Was it a, a run following the fullback? Did Tua pull it and throw it behind my ear hole? He's trying to process these 45,000 things, and then you get 23 coming at you downhill, and you're still processing. It's too late at that point. It's the same thing as if he's even, he's leaving for a wide receiver, the exact same thing. Alec Ingold is a phenomenal football player. The athletic ability from a fullback is absurd. You'll hear him on the fish tank about you know moving from high school to college from quarterback to running back to linebacker back to fullback. So it makes sense. But man, that run after the catch looked like a running back to me, both on his touchdown catch, but also the one later in the game when Tua found him to start the uh, third quarter. I want to put the entire offensive line in one category this week, this week. And I started counting how many bodies were on the ground in terms of Dolphins pancakes in the running game. And then also just basically throwing dudes to the ground in the pass pro game. I stopped counting in double digits in the first half because it was, I just could, I couldn't keep up. There was too many. Go back and watch this tape. Rob Hunt throwing guys to the ground. Brent, uh, Rob Jones steamrolling guys to the ground. Teron Armstead doing the same thing. Brandon Shell, Connor Williams down blocking defensive backs and putting them on their backside. And we'll talk some individuals, but man, whether it was playing head up, gap scheme, zone, pulling, ceiling, catch and climb, chipping, just across the board, man, the work... The work of the two guards in this game was off the chart. Key block after key block. I'm writing these notes as we go. When I tell you that I could note almost every single play, I'm not going to do it for time's sake, but rep by rep, you're getting the same things I mentioned from the same guys over and over again. Fire off the ball, win the low man battle, get your good hand placement, drive through your lower half to transfer that power from your base up to your upper half and displace guys, climb to the second level, wall those dudes off turn to the proper leverage, and just stay glued to your block. I used to have so many issues with how often Dolphins linemen fell off blocks. It's not been the case this year, man. It's a, it's a completely different ball game. This is a resume game for everybody on staff involved in the offensive line play, and certainly for the players. It was positively superb. been watching Dolphins tapes since, like, 2013. I don't know if I recall a better game. Like, some of those JHI games in 2016 were pretty good. But man, this across the board was so exceptional. Teron Armstead gets started early. That first third down to Tyreek, it's one-on-one on an island against Miles Garrett. And Teron's the first guy off the ball, and he just completely swallows up Garrett. Like, Garrett rushed the, the center chest plate, and he just, whoop, like, took him out of the play. His landmark is perfect. His punch, his lean, his weight transfer, then the anchor drop. It's teach tape time and time again. Then you get a 17-yard run from Jeff Wilson, and Rob Jones gets great placement, but then Teron adds this chip on his route up to the second level, and it just like it's like almost when you click a Lego into place, like it locked it into place. Rob got the hands and just kind of threw him to the side. I cannot speak enough about how much Teron just helps everybody in terms of pass pro, but also the run game. He's helping in the run and the pass getting pancakes. This dude is as advertised. And one last bit of appreciation here that drive at the end of the first half, Garrett throws everything at Teron on that drive in countless one-on-one situations. He goes speed. He goes speed to power. He spins back inside Nothing worked, and they move him to the other side of the formation. This guy's a 90-10% player in terms of 90% right side, 10% left side of the defense. They moved him, and he actually won on a pass rush on the throw uh, to Sherfield, I think it was, 
but Rob Hunt put him on the ground because he spun inside him and beat Shell, but Hunt puts him on the ground. But they moved him because he was getting nothing going against Teron Armstead. I think this was the best game of Rob Hunt's career. My goodness, man. The push, the athletic ability he showcased, he moved guys multiple gaps in multiple ways. The fourth down conversion on the opening drive, he's outflanked by a one technique. He has to get across face, and he tries to one gap upfield, and Rob beats him off the snap. He initiates the contact, washes him down, and throws him to the ground violently on the other side of the formation. Just want to go ahead and add something here. Rob said this summer that he hopes he plays in this system the rest of his career, and you can see why. The way that they maximize his rare blend of power and athletic ability, it's something else. I was a, such a big fan of his uh, Louisiana tape. Like, I, his Sunbelt tape was ridiculous. Like, it looked like it wasn't even real. And you're seeing that transfer over here now. Why he was one of the draft darlings that year, as far as a guy that could develop into something very special, you're seeing it before your eyes here. This dude is hitting down blocks on linebackers five yards downfield, two gaps over. Like, you have no business making that play. That's not even supposed to happen with this type of regularity, and it does. And then finally, the Sherfield touchdown. You know, Miles Garrett finally scores that win with a nasty spin move inside. But here comes Rob to come off of the man that he's doubled with Connor Williams and just throws Garrett to the ground. This is a teach tape that he will show his grandkids someday decades down the line. It was that good. Rob Jones had a coming out party, man. We've lauded his base and ability to straight up just absorb guys here on this podcast, but his grip strength was something to note on this tape. On Wilson's 17-yard gash in the opening drive, you see the hands lock into great placement. Then he uses the torque of the lower body and just drives that power through the hands, and it legit looks like he picks up a man and just moves him. Like, I'm going to take you from here. I'm going to put you over here. We're going to be good to go. The way he moves his feet and stays square from the time that he initiates contact to where the reps ends it's all so smooth. He's rolling his hips through and keeping his feet under his shoulders. He might have something to say about that left guard position, man. He's playing pretty good football. Connor Williams, copy and paste it, man. Every week with this guy, there's a play on a long Wilson run where Connor gets tripped up and goes to the ground, but he still hits the lead block and buries the Brown safety. He's literally going to the ground and secures the key block as Jeff Wilson blows by the defender. Just every week, Connor Williams checks in with a massive, massive game. Uh, the first play of the game, they get Smythe and Ingold on a double team on Miles Garrett and slide protect right. It gives two of this massive wall. And I wanted to bring that up because there's just so many plays where, yeah, we get the great execution, but there's also plays schemed up where this offensive line, just based upon the nature of this offense and, and what Coach McDaniel and Frank Smith design, takes care of a lot of that stuff for this offense. So it's been fun to watch. And the only real downside of this tape was the three straight run stuffs on second, third, and fourth, and one. That was really the only stretch of game where they didn't get pretty solid execution on a play-by-play basis. At the receiver spot, Trent Sherfield, that fourth and one conversion on the opening drive, he gets a pancake inside. Like he comes down and beats number 22, Grant Delpit, to the point and, and then puts him on the ground right at the point of attack, the most critical area of that run for Jeff. And here comes your wide receiver getting a pancake block. When he can do that and make the catch like the one he did on the touchdown reception, what a signing Trent Sherfield has been. How about Tyreek Hill blocking on the Alec Ingold touchdown? Outstanding. That's one of those plays where you talk about how he sets a certain standard. The NFL's leading receiver coming into the game, and he's hitting crucial blocks and then celebrates it like he just caught an 80-yard touchdown pass. Did it again later on that last Wilson touchdown run. You know, you mentioned his speed in the deep comeback route and the two portion. The way he times his routes after pressing the issue with speed, the moment he sees the corner flip the hips and get on this horse, he's coming back to that blind spot. You give me a blind spot, I'm chasing it 
It's what the best receivers do. I cannot imagine what level of football IQ that he has does for the trust of his quarterback. And then how about the speed on that little hookup catch and run where he just goes across the entire field, an absolute angle eraser. And then the way he came back to the ball in the touchdown catch, just more nuance from these receivers. Speaking of nuance, Jalen Waddle. First, he had a share of key blocks down the field on the Ingle touchdown, the Wilson run two plays later. Man, him and Tyreek's effort is just one of a million things that's so special about those guys. I mentioned the 29-yard throw from Tua being beautiful. The way Jalen creates separation by running at guys and pressing them and challenging them in the physical aspect of the game. What I mean by that is this slot cornerback on this play has inside leverage. So he's trying to wall off any in-breaking routes from Waddle, but Jalen creates the opportunity to get inside of it by angling his route directly at the nickel. Come off the ball, fire downhill right at him, press him, press the toes. Then the nickel tries to engage physically, not unlike Dennis Reynolds, and Jalen does an arm over move that allows him to accelerate through that contact, then it's head back to the quarterback and square off that route in a way that increases the window for your quarterback. Ball is right on time, right on target. Gorgeous football tape here, man. It's been fun to watch. We saw it again on the third and one conversion on the penultimate drive. He releases inside, gets the DB to flip his hips, and the moment he does that, Jalen breaks back to the outside, stacks him, Great throw from Tua, first down, move the chains. His catch on third and seven, the conversion in the first half, was similar. He goes right at the man with outside leverage, sinks the hips late enough to show the defensive back that maybe I'm going vertical, but nope, sink the hips, drive to the outside, and then he angles once again back to the quarterback to maximize the window. It's high-level nuance from a second-year player in Jalen Waddle. Cedric Wilson's effort in the running game was fantastic. Raheem got like 13 yards in a wide run, and Cedric Wilson slips like Connor Williams did earlier, but manages to sustain the block long enough for Raheem to run right around it. Just a, just the will to compete for this guy, man. The wide receiver pass said, my man, Tyreek's all alone in the end zone, and Tua has nothing but green grass in front of him. Throw it, man. You wanted to throw that ball. Let's get the touchdown, baby. Uh, Mike Gesicki, great second-level climb, turn, and seal on the very first run of the game. Had a good down block on the fourth-and-one conversion. He later had chip duty on 58 with Tehran waiting for help, but he never needed it because Mike handled it. Great, really good game from Mike Gesicki in the blocking department this week, and I thought Durham had some really good blocks on some of those second-half runs and split-flow action coming across the formation and making key blocks at the point of attack. Woo-wee! That was one take. How we doing? Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back into the defense and the numbers on the other side. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're talking tape. We're talking football. We're talking all the all-star moves here on the Drive Time Podcast. And we're talking defense right now. And structurally on this tape, the way this team sets such hard edges in the running game was why I was so bullish on the opportunity to take down one of the league's top running games that doesn't have a quarterback like Lamar or Justin Fields. Pairs so well in this game 
with the middle linebacker play that we got. Landon Roberts played one of his best games as a Dolphin. He continuously scraped off stack after stack and just made big plays flowing downhill, stay tight to the block, explode through the gap, make your play. And then Jerome Baker just kept himself clean all day long. Didn't let guys into his frame. That third and one pop on Kareem Hunt sure was something. One of the best plays in Jerome Baker's career for my money. Saying that a lot in this podcast. He's stacked up behind John Jenkins. Keys the pulling guard. That's the part that I love the most is you see him follow the guard before the handoff even happens. And then he kind of works off of that and gets downhill and just drills the ball carrier pursuing downhill and puts that big lick on him. Exceptional play from Jerome Baker. We also saw some more press man and hybrid looks like zone one side man the other side of the field that held up long enough to allow the pass rush to get home. Jacoby Brissett held the ball 2.88 seconds. That's a testament to the coverage, and that's been the case this year. Quarterbacks get it out hot, hard to get them to the ground, right? When they hold it longer, your pass rush can get home, and this offense pass rush has been good all year. I don't care what, what you think you see out there. The numbers tell you it's been good in terms of creating pressures when quarterbacks don't throw the ball in under 2.3 seconds, and that's a testament to the coverage for the ability to get those extra tenths of a second The difference between the pass rush getting a whole bunch of pressures and then changing the game with sacks and splash plays. Also love the incorporation of different guys in different spots like Elijah Campbell coming down and playing some some plays in the box and covering. There was a pick stunt by Verone McKinley where he had a lane to rush, but he goes and attacks the guard to free up Jalen Phillips to loop inside for a hit on the quarterback. Boyer cooked up some really good plans this year. This is another good one here for Josh Boyer. Christian Wilkins, some kind of a game for him. He went up repeatedly against arguably the best right guard in football early on and just won play after play. Now, Teller did leave the game after 11 snaps, but he did get a half sack on him, dropping the bull rush, then working the second effort to wriggle free off the block en route to the quarterback. On the very next drive, he gets around the outside shoulder of the right tackle, And this is what I love about Christian's game on top of the conditioning and everything else that he does is he plays so smart, man. Like he's looking at the guard tackle combination to see where they're going to go off the ball, not even worried about the back of the quarterback. And he makes a decision on his rush plan to get upfield, reacts to the flow, and then gets right in Jacoby Brissett's face to force an errant throw. He had a fantastic game. So did Zach Sealer. We broke down the force fumble, just pure teach tape, three technique, opposite side of the field. Go get your man. Go attack the man and engage the the contact. He does that, disengages, rides the wave, gets a big paw on the football, great play. But his ability to factor into the pass rush after he sets a pick is awesome. He runs a stunt with Melvin Ingram where he sets the pick, but then just stays on balance and fights through the double team, splits it, and puts a hit on Jacoby Brissett. And then also his ability to set the edge on a big tackle and get the anchor dropped on outside float. There's a play where him and Van Ginkle set the edge really well, but Ginkle's off the ball, and Sealer has to set the edge on outside zone flow, where he engages the tackle with his inside arm, but keeps the outside arm free, and then you see him put his foot in the ground, and it stops the, the tackle's flow. Like, any other human being, like myself, I'm getting buried six feet deep on the turf, and I'm a bad comparison, but, you know, NFL players are going to get washed out there. Not him. It's... He stopped like a a 60-mile-an-hour moving car like with his power. It's it's what he did on that play. It's ridiculous. Keep the outside arm free. Make the stop right there. He also had a run stop at the start of the fourth quarter where he works down the line, then shoves the left tackle to the ground like, get out of here, sir. I'm making this play. Then he does. You know, Seth from the fish tank loves to call him a grown-ass man. Hard to argue with that characterization. Raekwon Davis is also a GAM. He does a lot. I don't think it's recognized on this defense. He rarely gives ground at the key nose tackle position in so many running plays. He's also providing more and more pass rush this year, too. 
Bradley Chubb had a great game. His half sack comes in a play where they chip him, and he has to run the long arc around. And he gets there because Wilkins flushed Jacoby back. But a great effort to keep working, keep working, then explode around that edge when they give you the chance to do so. The way he works to keep his outside arm free, like we talked about with Zach Sealer, hold on to his block without letting it climb to the second level, then disengage at the critical moment and make the play. This is a three-down player who's a three-down problem for opposing offenses. Also love the way he uses leverage to his er, and his size to his advantage. He had a pass rush where he dropped his inside shoulder into that left tackle, then just used his length to kind of get separation, but then kind of pull him back towards you and rip that outside arm through. He's got a plethora of pass rush moves, man. You see it throughout the course of the game. He sets guys up with moves early and exploits them late. He constantly won inside as a result of that. Tackles were getting privy to his speed off the edge, so he started rushing at the inside post more where he would step up field, lateral step, cross face, and it forced Brissett to reset off of the his you know the pocket the area of the pocket he wants to be in because that inside win, he has to climb and reset, which we know increases time to throw. And you see the impact of getting Chubb on this tape, I think, very, very substantially. Jalen Phillips, his pass rush continues to have an impact. He runs his man through the quarterback so frequently where he forces him off the spot by just bull rushing through him, speed to power through him. And we saw how that, along with, you know, one more pass rusher winning their rep can really effectively ruin a passing play. I loved seeing him get paid off on a half sack on that fourth down with Melvin Ingram, where he was the pick man on a pick stunt, and he played through the contact and redirects back to the quarterback to meet Ingram there, who also won with a great lateral step inside. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba, man, sucks so bad that he's out. You won't meet a better guy than Emmanuel Ogba. He had a devastating pass rush on the Browns' second drive, the one that Brissett somehow snuck between two defenders, right between Cater Kohu and I think it was McKinley. Uh, he puts the guard on the ground, then gets a hit on Jacoby. Get well soon, Emmanuel. I'll be thinking about you, man. Landon Roberts had a run stuff on their third drive where he plays full speed right into the block, knocks the dude into the back, and gets the stop by using someone else's body. He's playing so fast and violently lately been fun to watch him play. Talked about Melvin Ingram, his ability to transfer power from his get-off to his upper body and displace guys with heavy hands is great to watch. Had a textbook bull rush with great hands on his sack at the end of the first half where he just got into the guy's chest plate and used his hands to basically throw him off of himself and then finish with the quarterback. Duke Riley made a great play on that Christian Wilkins tackle for loss in the second half where he goes and gets the pulling guard. Don't let him get into you. Go get him, which forced uh, Nick Chubb to bend it back backside, and that pays off the effort by Christian's backside pursuit to make that tackle. I love the way Cater Kohu bounced back after they got him on the first play of the game. Double move. He jumps it on the first move. Brissett throws a good ball to get on top of him. But that was pretty much it. He did lose track of his man in zone on that uh, – that, com- that completion between the two defenders looked like it was going to be picked off, and it wound up getting completed for a first down. But other than that, he was phenomenal. His mirror technique on that fourth and one pass breakup, stay square, open the hips the minute your receiver tries to cross face, then reach around with that downfield arm without turning on that back hip. Great, great cornerback play. This dude is covering over routes and man coverage frequently. It's one of the hardest things to do in football, and he closed a couple of those Donovan Peoples-Jones over routes that's such a hard thing to defend with no safety help. He did it a few times in this game. X's coverage on that deep shot on the third and one from plus territory where he just runs the corner out for the wide receiver and was one step away from potential interception. Good play there from X. And then also a great job falling on that fumble. It was him and a bunch of Browns players around the football and he falls on it 
and does not give it back. Great play by X there. Justin Bethel's press coverage has been terrific all year. Textbook inside hand jam, ride the receiver in phase, and then locate the ball on that corner route incompletion before the Browns kicked their lone field goal middle of the third quarter. Then he has that pass breakup on the sideline where he gets in phase, locates the ball, puts his hand straight through the defend- the receiver's two hands, and separates them for a textbook PBU late in the fourth quarter. He's been awesome to watch, man. Really, really good open field tackle on a drag route on the very next snap as well. And then Javon Holland, the way that he can defend multiple routes, you know, sometimes opposite sides of the field with his spacing, reading the quarterback, and the inherent knowledge of his own range, it's something. You're taking away entire sections of the possibility of deep passing And with the attrition we've had at cornerback this year, it's been so crucial to the Dolphins that just don't allow downfield passes. Like, it's happened a few times, but he's a massive part of why the defense just does not allow a lot of completions in the deep part of the field. Also cool to see him get some more snaps down closer to the line of scrimmage by having McKinley play that post-safety role. On the sack before the end of the half, he picks up a crossing route with great communication where X says, hey, he's coming, he's coming. He's running a crossing route. Take him. And Javon buzzes down and takes away the hot read for Jacoby, and it leads to a sack. Finally, Eric Rowe, his run defense, just... This gets better every single week, man. They open a huge hole on the second drive of the game, and he comes from out wide to hit Chubb and take him right to the ground. I'm not sure how many defensive backs have won against Nick Chubb at the point of attack this year, but Eric Rowe did it on that play. All right, let's go ahead and take our last break. We'll do all the stats and the snap counts in Mike McDaniel's Monday press conference. That's next, Draft Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At the normal time, we cut the podcast for good, but we have one more full segment coming your way talking about the numbers from the game and the season. Let's go ahead and start with the quarterback in Tua, who was blitzed seven times, completed five of those passes for 59 yards and a touchdown. When he was not blitzed, he was 20 of 25 for 226 and two scores. Uh, under pressure, four for seven, 51 yards, two touchdowns against pressure. Not pressured, 21 for 25, 234 and a touchdown. How about the 20-plus air yard throws? Three for four, 63 yards and a touchdown. The 10 to 19-yard range, the intermediate portion of the field continues to absolutely slay right there. Six of seven, 106. He was seven for seven with 80 yards and another touchdown on third down. He's now posted ratings on third down the last three weeks of 158.3, 158.3, and 153.9. It's crazy, man. The ball was out in an average of 2.35 seconds on the year. Passer rating first, third down passer rating first, fourth quarter passer rating first, Red zone and yards per attempt. He's first in all those. It's a 118.4 total passer rating, 149.8 third down. That's seven points, eight points shy of perfect on third down. His fourth quarter red zone, uh, passer rating is 123.2, uh, 118.8 in the red zone, and he's averaging 9.13 yards per pass. How about the last decade? His ranks in the pa- uh, passer rating total, third. Third down passer rating, first. Fourth quarter passer rating, seventh. Red zone passer rating, seventh. Yards per attempt, fourth. How about his stats uh, for this season in terms of his rankings? His QBR is 82.6. That's number one. Only quarterback over 80. His EPA per play is 0.19. 
These numbers are improving each week. It's crazy. He's taking elite numbers and improving upon them. He's first in EPA per play. His touchdown percentage, 7.3% of his throws are touchdowns. That's first. His interception rate, 1.2% of his passes are picked off. That's the fourth lowest. He averages 283 yards per game. That's the third highest in the NFL. I mentioned the YPA is you know first by more than a half yard. It's crazy. By more than a half yard than the next guy. His adjusted net yards per dropback is 9.47. That's first. Second is 7.91. It's almost a yard and a half better than second place. His net yards per dropback, 8.59. That's first. His sack rate is 3.1%. That's second. His completion percentage over expected is 3.5. That's third. On passes 20 or more yards this year, he's 21 for 32. That's 66% completion. Throwing the ball 20 yards down the field for 632 total yards. That's 20 yards per pass attempt. Six touchdowns, two picks. 10 to 19 yard range. He's 52 for 72. That's 72%. 902 yards. It's 12 and a half yards per pass. Five touchdowns and a pick. If you take all of his throws, 10 or more yards down the field, you know, the whole, oh, he throws the ball five yards and Tyreek and Jalen catch it and run for touchdowns. Well, you know that's not true. 10-plus air yard throws this year, 73 for 105. That's 69.5%. It's 1,534 yards. That's 14.6 yards per pass, 11 touchdowns, and three picks. He's the best quarterback in playing right now. That's It's not arguable. Uh, pass catchers in this game. The team produced 133 yak yards. Nobody had more than Alec Ingold's 41. He caught all four of his targets for 45 yards. Sherfield caught all four for 62. Waddle caught four of five for 66. Mostert caught all four of his for 23. And Tyreek caught five of six for 44. We had four players with better than two yards per route ran. Ingold, Sherfield, Waddle, and Raheem. Tyreek's first game under that stat this year. The run game this year, 67 yards after initial contact. Jeff Wilson had all five forced missed tackles among Dolphins' backs on his 17 rush attempts, averaging 2.65 yards after initial contact. Miami hit three 15-plus yard runs, seven 10-plus yard runs, three for Raheem, four for Jeff, and 12 of the 25 carries between Mostert and, and, uh, and Wilson, sorry, produced first downs or touchdowns. PFF had the Dolphins with 11.4 yards per carry running to the A-gap to the left between Connor and Rob Jones. In fact, Miami's rushing numbers to the left side of the field, off left end, 8 yards per carry. Off left tackle, 7.8 yards per carry. Off left guard, 9.8 yards per carry. And middle left, that 11.4 figure. QB pressures, five total on 36 pass blocking snaps. That's just 21 in the last four games and 150 dropbacks. That's one pressure every 7.14 dropbacks, roughly four to five per game. In this game, Armstead had one. Robert Jones had zero. Connor Williams had zero. Robert Hunt had one. And Brandon Shell had two. Jeff Wilson had one to give you uh, one, two, three, eight, four, five. Five total. Defensively, Melvin Ingram led the way with seven pressures. Christian Wilkins had five. Bradley Chubb had four. Jalen Phillips had three. Sealer, Raekwon, and Gink had two apiece. Kohu, Erob, and Ogba had one apiece. Run stops, Christian Wilkins had five of those too. Baker and Erob had three each. Sealer and Melvin had two, and four guys had one. Coverage snaps and yards allowed. Javon Holland, 46 coverage snaps, no yards allowed. The Browns were four for 10, throwing the ball 10-plus air yards. Xavier Howard had 45 coverage snaps, just 22 yards allowed. Kohu, 44 snaps, 60 yards allowed, half that on one play. Uh, he, they were two for six 
targeting Cater Kohu. He also had two pass breakups. So not a lot of efficiency there for the Browns offense going after Cater Kohu. Eric Rowe, 34 coverage snaps, no yards. Justin Bethel, 19 coverage snaps, 48 yards. Keon Crossan, seven snaps, no yards allowed. Great day by the film. Great day by the numbers. Let's go ahead and get to the snap counts here before we hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, who spoke to the media on Monday and gave us more good nuggets as he always does. But first, the snap counts. We did not get a five-player wire-to-wire performance from the offensive line because Teron Armstead got rest late in the game. We had the other four guys played all 69 snaps. Nice. Teron played 60, and Greg Little played nine. Tua didn't play the whole game because Skylar Thompson got in the game for seven snaps. Tua plays 62. At receiver, Waddle leads the way again, 51 snaps. That's 74%. Tyreek had 49, and Sherfield had 45. So again, those are your three top receivers week in and week out. Wilson, 42 snaps. Ingold, 42 at the running back and fullback spot. And Raheem got 19, so a heavy workload here for Jeff Wilson before the bye week. At tight end, Durham, 37. Mike, 32. And that was it for the tight end position. And then Cedric Wilson gave us 21 at receiver. And Savon Ahmed gives you seven at the running back position. On defense, you had only Javon Holland play the entire game. But Cater Kohu and Xavier Howard also both just missed one snap apiece. Christian Wilkins, another 50-plus snap game. 82% workload for him. Zach Sealer gives you 53 snaps. Jerome Baker gives you 52. And how about Eric Rowe with a big bump up in playing time to 50 snaps in this game? Bradley Chubb played 44, Phillips played 42, and then Melvin Ingram 34. So we're seeing variety in those that front seven workload, the, the linebacker position, the edge rushers. When you need them, you pull them, pull them up. When you don't, you rest them. It's kind of a great rotation to have. Duke Riley plays 32 snaps at linebacker. Verone McKinley gives you 32 snaps. Back to the front, Raquan Davis gave you 31. Roberts made the most of his 27 snaps, by golly. Andrew Van Ginkle plays 24. How about Justin Bethel? 23 more snaps at cornerback. Played a great game. John Jenkins and Keon Crossan both gave you 11. Ogba injured only gives you 10. And then obviously uh, uh, with the injury there. And then Elijah Campbell, 6. And Sam Egwavon, 1 snap in the game. Three sound bites here from head coach Mike McDaniel. First, he's going to tell you about the idea of the message of the team, trying to make this a year to remember what that means, how you get it, and what his whole philosophy is behind that. Here's coach. When you go through things, when you're fully invested, um, contrary to popular belief, you can't really control uh, ultimate outcomes. You can't, you, you, and, and I'm not worried about that. It, it's... Uh, I've, I've learned a life lesson in my experience that the, you get out exactly what you get in or you put put in your, and um, you'll make 2022 uh, memorable if you and a um, collection of other individuals decide to invest um, as much as they've ever invested in, in their craft uh, because in that experience... There's highs, lows, uh, there's relationships, but ultimately I know this for a fact, you get the most out of whatever you got and you'll remember that. Uh, and, and so I make it less tangible or like, Hey, um, a proclamation about we will do X if it's more about, um, you know, if you reflect on some of the things that you've done uh, in team sports, um, some of the guys speak on it candidly. Guys that have won stuff, you, you, and guys that have gone along, have gone to the playoffs, gone and done stuff in the playoffs, and 
et cetera, et cetera. The common denominator is that, uh, you know, players decided to put team first and individual stuff second and, and you invest and you go through hardship and you go through triumph and you become closer as a team and it kind of defines you as, as a human being as well. So, that, that that's all that it's the 100 percent investment um which uh so far i've been very happy with and uh but it's a it is a um it's a long it's long distance running it's not sprint so we still have a lot of the race to go Next, coach was asked about Alec Ingold's usage and if his most snaps played in a game this year correlates with the fact that the Dolphins had their best rushing output. What do you think, coach? Here he is. I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, we knew going into the game that we were going to um, have him on the field a lot. He, he provides a very um, physical presence. Um, and it's adjusting to playing. You know, he's played fullback before, but that, what that means and how we're utilizing his skill set is a little different than he's been used before in his career. Uh, a little more versatile. You're just he's got a lot more running. He's um, not as much close quarter stuff. Uh, and I thought he did a tremendous job. Um, and he's starting to come in his own in, in that regard. So he stepped up to the plate. We needed him to. Um, and he he's a tone setter um, for our football team that we count on week in week out. Um, to establish uh, uh, and help establish a, a physical style of play. So uh, I was happy to see him be put in some um, advantageous situations and he took advantage of me yesterday. Finishing up here with the last question of the press conference from yours truly. And Coach choked me up a little bit because he talked about his relationship with his daughter and the shoes that he wore in the game and the painting of him and his daughter on his shoes. Had to ask him about that. Here's Coach about that and the salute to service and what all that means to him. Great stuff here from Ghost. Well, she can't really talk, but she's a savant at painting. And she does not know. <laughs> um, that, that was gifted to me. Um, that was a surprise on, 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 on Saturday. But, um, you know, the, I, I have people on top of people. Or for, yeah, it was a surprise on Saturday. I'm getting... Um, uh, my haircut on Friday by Steve, and you guys might know, but he's, and then he's like, I got a present for you on Saturday. Said, cool. Didn't expect that. Salute to service, which, um, you know, it's, is, is very meaningful to me. I, I, I very much appreciate it, but then to have uh, a picture of myself and my daughter is like, what world am I in? This is unbelievable. Um, so then I went down the hall, and checked with the, my regulatory advisors to make sure that I would not be violating NFL rules um, to get the uh, and and I think I passed all tests and so then I put them on and it, it was a it was a really cool thing to be able to support um, an unbelievable cause for you know people that sacrifice um, really everything they have for our our in a selfless manner for our way of life um, and then to have that, on top of a painted picture of, of my daughter, who when I saw her on the sidelines before the game, um, they were talking about her. So I pointed, and she goes, "Ayla," which is her name. She said, so she recognized herself on a shoe, and I almost, 
you know, I almost just broke down crying before the game. So it was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, I felt very fortunate to be a part of it. Um, and those, uh, those shoes are, I, I, I took them from the game home and I'll probably be wearing them doing dad duty all week while I take out the trash. Gosh, I sure do like this head coach. All right, that's my time today. We have one more podcast for you guys this week, the kind of season look back so far. We'll do that either tomorrow or Thursday, not quite sure just yet. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Fish Tank Podcast, Alec Ingold episode out now. Check that out. It's great. I saw the entire thing in person. Really good interview. Check out our Twitter Spaces show with you guys this Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Take next Wednesday off. Also, all the international podcasts on the network. Check out the YouTube channel for Mike McDaniel's full media availability and all Dolphins coaches and players media availability. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, daddy's coming home.